Hey guys, welcome back to Keeping It Simple. This is Luis Sanchez. I'm here with my co-host. Hey, I'm Scott Callentine. Welcome to the episode. Let's get started. Hey, welcome into this episode of Keeping It Simple, Season 2. Thank you so much for joining us. We're with our good friends Dave and Elena Reynolds today. Luis, who are these people? Why are we interviewing them? What's going on? What's going on? Hey, so Dave and Elena have just been just... I don't know, just like these rocks uh, in and around the Alliance for uh, quite some time. The Alliance, if you don't know, is uh, our family of churches. Yep. And I first met uh, Dave and Elena years ago at um, at a gathering, or like our kind of like international kind of national gathering of, of Alliance people. And they were, you know, championing the cause of church planting and championing the cause of church planters. And, and I got to one of their things and I was just like really just, touched by just their down-to-earthness and then just their story. And so today we get to have them on the show and we got kind of get to hear their story and a little bit about what they've been up to and their connection to church planting and micro-expressions, which is what we talk about on this podcast. So here at Keeping It Simple, the podcast, Dave and Elena, we talk about micro-expressions and we talk about leadership development. But before we get started, I know I've already said just a little bit about you, but tell us a little bit about yourselves and and tell us a little bit about what you've been up to these days. Sounds good. Hey, thanks, guys, for having us with you. Uh, Love you guys. Love what you're doing. Um, Thrilled with that. So good to be here. So uh, I'm Dave, my lovely wife, Elena. Say hi, Elena. Hello, everyone. We have been married. We just celebrated 35 years of marriage here a few weeks ago. Congratulations. Yeah, she stayed young and I got old. <laughs> um, but, that, you know, it's okay. Um, we're going to go next week and get out of town for a couple of days in San Diego and celebrate. We kind of had to put off some celebrating, so we're going to do that. So 35 years, we have three adult kids, love them all dearly, are close with them, and they're kind of scattered up and down the West Coast. Um, gosh, a little about us. What's a little about you, things you like to do? Oh, well, I love listening to Dave's music. So that's great. that's one great thing. Um, yeah, and I have dabbled in uh, graphic design and entrepreneurship, and well, we've planted a few churches along the way. So. Yeah, and a few churches along the way. So yeah, we'll get into that in a bit. But yeah, I love to play music. I get to gig with my son in our beautiful wine country, and the three of us, Elena kind of manages us, and we play lots of venues. We're playing this weekend at a lovely place. Um, Used to love to run. Now it's walking. Running is getting harder. But <laughs> Amen. I'm, Amen. I'm trying to keep my tail moving. So, and we've been in church planting uh, a long time. So, tell us about your one of the things that stands out to me is your love for those uh, In and Out T-shirts. You have like a In and Out T-shirt collection. Tell, tell us about that. I do. I love in and out t-shirts. They fit just right. The sizes have moved up a little over the years, but I still love them. Nice, thick. They have some nice California swaggy look on them. Palm trees, fast cars. Right. I know people are particular about their burger joints, but anytime I go to California, my first stop is always in and out. I have to, I have to get that. um, You really really like it that much? Animal style. First. Oh yeah. yeah. Animal size is great. My family gives me all kinds of nonsense because it's In-N-Out Burger t-shirts and black long socks. <laughs> nice. So roll in nice. Southern That's California. California right there, baby. I don't know. So, hey, when we first connected a couple of years ago, Dave, um, I think at the time, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you were the church planting director uh, for the entire family of churches for the Christian Missionary Alliance. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got to that place. And, and uh, Elena, and you both have mentioned um, a little bit about the churches that you guys have planted uh, up until now. We, uh, gosh, we got married in 86. We got to be part of just a great church that way back in the day had internships and residencies. And they were kind enough to see something in us that, in, that encouraged us to not stay with them, but to head out and plant churches. Uh, we started a, a worship service for them in, in 1988. We called it a contemporary worship service when the word contemporary was actually contemporary. <laughs> um, led that, and by God's grace, it grew. And that was sort of our testing ground for them to affirm that we sort of had the launch kind of gifts. And they sent us out. So we... We prayed it through, sat in Polly's pies, the two of us a lot in Long Beach and talked about, hey, what if? 
could could we actually be called of God to go plant a church? Because then it was really it was happening, but it was different. It was it was more unusual, at least in our world. So we moved to Huntington Beach, California in 1990 and launched that church in 1991. Uh, God met us and people came and uh, God brought us other leaders who wanted to plant. So by God's grace, I think we helped or sent to plant the year for several years. Um, we got to go this year, we had to do it through Zoom because of the pandemic, but we got to celebrate 30 years with Shore Life Church in Huntington. They're still going strong, doing great in, in their facility and working with, with the ministry all over the world. And we got to celebrate the 25 year anniversary before the pandemic with another one of the plants we helped with, South Bay Community Church in Torrance, California. Beautiful, large, multicultural church led by Pastor Gary Shiohama, who's doing a fantastic job. Um, we led that church until 1998 when we moved up near y'all and started Northwest Church Planting out of a church called New Heights, led by the time by our, our dear friend and mentor, Pastor Matt Hannon. So um, Northwest Church Planting, we were trying to discover, develop, and deploy leaders to send out to start churches. And by God's grace, he met us there too. So we helped lots of churches. And then as much as I loved it and wanted to stay, I couldn't stay away from boots on the ground, I guess. And God called us back to California, where in 2003, we started Chorus Church, now called Awakening Church, and we're able to plant out of that as well. God met us there, led that church for 10 years, and then handed it off in uh, 2013, when I started moving toward the National uh, Alliance Church planting role. So... I had one year sort of exploration. What would it take to set up a region of districts? And then in 2014, my work was to set up the country in regions of districts for the purpose of church multiplication. I stepped out of the national role in 2018 and am now just leading the West Coast. And somewhere along the way, we and the, and the South Pacific District, and somewhere along the way, we got the bug to plant again because we just can't stay away. Uh, what, did, what did I miss in there? No, it's been a wild ride. It's been great. Mm. Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually 38 years old, and this gray and receding hair is because of all that. <laughs> We're the same age. We're the same age. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome to hear some of the church planting experience that you've been a part of, and for our listeners, that's a lot that that Dave and Elaine have been a part of. There. It is. I'm sure, there's been a lot of heartbreak and a bunch of things. A lot of happened. highs and lows. Yeah. Um, on the, maybe more on the national or regional side, as you, you said now, uh, leading the West Coast and South Pacific districts, can you tell us what you're seeing from like a national or regional perspective uh, across the Alliance and our family of churches and church planting, and specifically in regards to maybe the, the micro church or simple church expression of church planting? Yeah, glad to. We're encouraged. Um, we just got back from an alliance uh, national gathering of the church planting directors, a collective that we've called it, and we got to connect with several church planting directors across. You the guys country. stole our name? What? <laughs> uh, it's not simple church collective though. It's, it's something else. Um, but hey, you you landed this fantastic name, and somebody oh, had to steal it from you. Right. Yeah, so we did that. It's very encouraging to hear everybody rowing in the same direction. I mean, our name is Alliance. So working together is kind of who we are. Uh, I feel that we're doing that through districts in regions. And the idea there is let's do together what we can do better together. Um, so I don't like in the West, I don't lead the church planting. I just work with the church planting directors and their DS is to serve them so that, that we can do some things to better together better. So we have like the little acrostic acts, which stands for assessment, coaching, training, and support. So as a region, we'll do some of those steps together. And as districts, we'll do what we do together. And much of the emphasis now is actually getting back in some ways to the local church as the sending agency. We call them greenhouses to grow up, plant, and transplant them. As it relates, uh, Scott, to the, to the idea of simple church, the pandemic has brought about a need for creativity and um we're seeing that well let's let's pivot here to elena what are you seeing what from your perspective um in regards to the micro church simple church disciple making movements and what you've seen 
Well, I don't think in our case we would have ever considered uh, doing such a simple church. Uh, in our case, we had done what was traditionally, um, you know, the, the large startup or either the parachute when we came into our area now, we, uh, we came with, with no team and we just moved down here and started. And then when we were in Huntington Beach, we did the large startup with a big team and that was wonderful. So I don't think if we had not had the pandemic, we would have even considered how um, we could do a simple church, that we could do something um, that was so different than what we had had previously. Yeah. I mean, that reminds me of like when, when in the book of Acts, you know, yes. they're all gathered, you know, Acts chapter two, everyone's gathered, one eight, you know, everybody's gathered, they get the, they get the call and they start praying and stuff, you know, and then Acts chapter eight, everybody scatters, right? Almost like there was this Acts chapter eight moment um in in the life of the church where minus the church minus, to, minus a little bit of persecution yeah, yeah. so so yeah <laughs> there was, the persecution didn't come from rome right or, yeah, yeah. or or from or but but there was this moment of scattering that happened mm -hmm. that really i think um changed the face of the church that's right at least the very present and the, for, the foreseeable future. future for yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I actually sent this morning someone text me an article about how the pandemic has changed church life here in America. Mm -hmm. I haven't read the article yet, but it's people are sensing there is a difference now than let's say two years ago in, in mm -hmm. the fall of 2019 before COVID really blew up and became a thing and restrictions and guidelines and all all of that. Um, for all the negative of COVID, I I would wager the church, should we continue in our changes and our adaptions, will become healthier because of it. I don't yeah. know how you guys feel about that, but that's my perspective of the church kind of coming, emerging out of COVID. And even though COVID-19, the pandemic, it's not over, especially globally, it's definitely not over. How have you seen the, the mission of the church and the impact of church planting change over the last couple of years in, in the Alliance and maybe more nationally too? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Scott. And I agree. I heard somebody put it this way, and I'm sure you guys have heard this too, you know, Acts 1-8 becomes fulfilled because of Acts 8-1. So out of uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, the great persecution rises in Acts 8, and the church is, is forced out, because I think they would have kept hanging out in Jerusalem. So kind of what we have said, in uh, the first century, God used persecution to scatter the church. In the 21st century, God is using a pandemic to scatter the church. But either way, as in the, within the first century, there was explosive growth of the church because God used a very hard and bad thing, mm. the persecution. And there's no way we're going to call this pandemic good, but we're going to, you know, God can use it for good. And we believe he is. So I'm on that question. I'm optimistic. I mean, I think we could be on the, on the cusp of another great awakening because of things like what you guys are doing. And because God is using this to bring new wine to new wineskins in some ways. Uh, back to the question, Scott, I think you asked me, how have we seen it impact the Alliance? Um, Similar ways, we're seeing a lot of people get creative. We're not seeing people. I've heard some folks, and you have too, maybe saying, I just want it to go back to the way it was. Yeah. yeah. That ain't going to happen. As Leonard Sweet says, and this is really powerful, this really impacted me when I heard him say it there are no best practices anymore in church planting. Everything has changed. Not the mission, not Jesus, not the body, not the function of what we're trying to do of worship, discipleship, and mission, but how we do it has definitely changed. And if we try to go back to the old wineskins, it's not going to work in quite the same way. That's not to say, though, that we're opposed by any means to the church in all of her sizes. God uses the church. So great plants can happen out of the old, the, the more traditional ways. And I'm still for it. I'm still helping guys do that. But there's more to it now that's coming to the surface again. And I think that's yeah. great. And I think, by the way, it's a long answer. But the Alliance, I really see the Alliance and other denominations embracing that. Yeah. Some fast no, and that's kind of the heart of the question is like, so since you still have your hands in, in, 
some of the alliance kind of in that world. And then maybe even like hearing from other denominational leaders as well and what other denominations are doing. As we've been connected with Exponential, we're seeing some openness to yeah. other forms of church and other forms of church planting. And so just wondering if that's the same thing you're seeing too. It is. It is, Luis. So our team uh, has been talking about this a lot and we've been the national team and been, and I don't want to get ahead of them by any means, but we've been thinking through, uh, you know, they'll talk about ecclesiastical minimums and I'm sure you yeah. guys have used the term. Uh, yeah, I've been calling them, I've kind of flipped it and called it church essentials. What are the primary things we need? Rather than what I like that. I like that. Come rather on. than what do we reduce this to? Let's talk about still collective. We'll steal church essentials. We got to go back and redo the beginning of season two. All right. I like that. What are the big rocks? What are the things we have to have in place? And let's let the other things, they may not show up. So what are those big things? Um, our team got together and talked about that. And we've been working on some documents and, mm. and specifically that will be presented. And specifically for the Alliance, we are trying to, propose that we don't alter any theology, but in altering our thinking to recognize that we can recognize churches that look different. They're going to be smaller in some ways. They're going to be in homes. They may be online. They may be, as some put it, a, a morphing of digital and physical and physical called fidgetal church. Right. So we're trying to make room for that. And we're seeing that in the Alliance and across the country. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. We called it, we have our ecclesial minimums, a couple of Weeks ago, we we released those out. And we for us, those are worship, community, mission, and leadership development. If we, um, it, you know, if the groups that are gathering uh, are routinely getting together to do worship, which is keeping Jesus at the center, sometimes by song, sometimes in scripture or prayer or something. Worship, community, mission, and, and leadership development. But that's awesome. Church essentials. Like, what are the essentials? Mm -hmm. You know, you can have more. But mm -hmm. you can't have less. That's that we talk about with our right. minimum. You can have more, but you can't have less. That's you right. guys are exploring a faith community, which is kind of the name of, of the thing that you've given it. Uh, can you tell us, you know, maybe Elena, you can kick us off and then Dave can fill us in. Like, tell us about the journey to get to that. What made you want to start that thing? And then tell us a little bit about how it's going. Well, we got the itch again. We just couldn't sit around and do uh, no church that we hadn't started. We just got You're the right. itch. You addicts. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and uh, we had a lot of people that we were still connected to that were either displaced, um, even uh, as much as our parents weren't able to attend a, physically a church. Um, so we, at first we just started by meeting twice a month, um, calling it faith community. Cause we had done all of the trendy names before. So boy, we're just going to come up with faith community. <laughs> um, and, uh, we just met, uh, with a group that was still interested, was still not, uh, connected anywhere. And, uh, we met here at our home. We met twice a month, um, we had like a potluck at first and then we would meet and then Dave would teach. We'd have a little music. It was just super simple. Um, and we really had no idea where it was going to go, what, how it was going to morph. Then of course, when the pandemic hit, we went online. You want to talk about that? Yeah. While this is happening, we're also full-time in the Alliance doing things. So um, this wasn't a move for us to stay out of that. Mm -hmm. Part of it was we were, after we handed off our church, we didn't do anything for five years in terms of church planting. We, mm -hmm. There was a five-year season. But in that time, about three or four years in, we started feeling a little bit of a nudge. So we started praying through this and talked to a few mentors. And actually, at one point, one of them said, I, I'm not sure if this is the time. So we kind of put it on hold for a little bit because we always want to work cooperatively. Mm -hmm. So we did that with our district and with other the senior pastor of the church that we were attending. And then about a year later, as we were talking and praying, everybody sensed, okay, this is a good time. And so our prayer had been, Lord, should we start a faith community? <laughs> and so when we did, it was like, we'll call it faith community. <laughs> so that's yeah. that's how it got named. So yeah, that we're we're meeting here twice of uh twice a month, and that's because that's just all the margin we had. Mm -hmm. So we encourage people to do things on their own. This could be heresy to somebody, I don't know. 
But that's what we did. And we would meet here for a potluck. We would certainly include and invite neighbors. And we also included other people that for whatever reason were just displaced and they weren't anywhere. We weren't trying to take anybody away from anything. We're actually trying to pull some people back in and get them reconnected, as well as reaching out to neighbors, as well as giving a place for elderly folks, including our parents to come. So when the pandemic hit, we thought that twice a month with people in isolation wasn't going to be enough. So we shifted gears and we went to, to online only for the pandemic, as all of us had to do, but we did it weekly. I kept it simple. I kept it short. I took people through just books of the Bible, basically, and encouraged them to be engaged and to be reading it. And a lot of what I was presenting is just what I've been reading in my own time. So I didn't do series or anything. I said, we're to jump into scripture. It's, it's gone through my own journal and in my own life which is kind of how you want it to be, but it can be more complicated than that at times. Mm. So we started doing that. And then fast forward, as things started to sort of open up again and then start closing down again, we, we had several people move. And so now we've got people in Tennessee and we had them in Texas and Oklahoma and some in Georgia, um, Montana. Northern California, and even up in Washington State. I'm not talking about a lot, so just hear this. But our thought was, if we go back to the old ways that we did that, we're sort of going to cut those people off. And I didn't want to do that, nor did I want them to feel like they were getting sort of the second string service. So our decision was to keep it online for everybody. And then we have now what we call faith local every couple months. And we've only had one or two since things open. We're getting ready to do another one in December. And we're trying to encourage people in different cities to do the same thing. Just get to know your neighbors and love them well, and then use the service if you need to as a, as a place of connection. Mm -hmm. mm, that's, man, that's awesome. Uh, it sounds like uh, the, for the listener out there that you're meeting weekly and then online. And then having the in-person gathering, maybe the corporate worship service or just getting together for a potluck and food. And that's that more in our terminology, it'd be like a, a collective wide kind of gathering happens every couple months. And so there's a reoccurring local in-person gathering. Like we're not saying don't be in person, you know, we're, we are still doing that, but then you're also meeting online and, you know, this isn't one of our questions that we really planned for, but how do you feel online connection is going during this this current moment well they're still showing up which is good so here's here's what we did we kind of have you guys know you know the similar words that we would probably use and i actually we're making this up so just to be clear yes. there's no amen oh i steal all amen. the Dave things that's yeah I mean. don't you know don't try this at home unless you're really <laughs> called to because yes. Yes. We're making it up. I don't, I haven't really, I haven't done a lot of charting out. I usually come up with a whole list of fancy things and a really tight statement and this and that. And for this one, I just kind of haven't and tried to be okay with that given my quirks. But, you know, I guess we basically, we would have three expressions. I mean, you would call one, you would call one worship and you would call one discipleship or community or, you know, connection. And you would call one um, mission, I guess. But we don't exactly use those words. So, but, but there's three sort of expressions here. So here's how it works for us. Our worship piece, corporate worship, would actually be our online experience every week. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's together and it's online. So that's just how we do it. So I keep that short and I keep it simple because people don't want to, I mean, they Fortunately, they tell me they wish it went longer, and I kind of like hearing that rather than they're all dropping off because it's just lame. And it's not a ton of people either. You know, we'll do some, and it, we might have, you know, a small number of people following, and then people come in later in the week because we're in different time zones and stuff. But even that is not a huge number. So hear, hear us on that. That's 40 minutes. I'll, I'll do, I lead the music myself unless my good buddy Dan Allen is in town from Arizona. I tried to bring us in together on a Zoom music thing, but the latency piece kind of screwed us up. I had a great guitar player, Nick Layton, up in Portland, who used to play lead with me. And we tried to do it. We were second off, so I scrapped that. So now I, have, I sit at a keyboard. I'll play maybe one song, and I keep it old school and as familiar as I can to people like seniors who've been in the church a long time. And I'll, I'll just theme that song and work it through to say, sing along if you want. If it's too weird, listen to the music. If God 
does something in your heart while you're hearing this, write it in the comment section. And that's how we do it. And then um, we'll do scripture. I'll try to apply it practically and encourage them to read ahead on where we're going. So that's the first piece. And it's really simple because I'm the tech team. And Elaine is the tech team. I'm copying and pasting from his notes the passages and making comments along the line of, uh, you know, here's the big idea. Yeah. And, you know, when Dan's with me, he'll do some stuff. He just taught for me a couple of weeks ago because he was in town, which was cool. But I'm talking, guys, simple, simple. And I didn't go to Zoom and I didn't go to YouTube. I just put it on Facebook. And if anybody's interested, it's facebook.com forward slash our faith community. And all the services are there for the last year and, and something. So that's one piece. The second piece is we wanted people to have the experience of sharing those. So we started women's, a women's connection group and we started a men's connection group. And those are also online through Zoom. So, and we've been consistent on that for some time. And I, my group, it's small and it's one of the best men's groups I've ever been in. I don't quite believe that you have to be physically there in order to have significant, meaningful things happen. For example, here we are. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I get the need and the desire to be together, but I don't think it has to totally limit what God might do. And I still think there's some new wine and new wineskins here. We all get that. We've all been zooming. The third piece, uh, the second piece of that is what we've called faith local, where we are trying to be, the Scott was mentioning, together physically for a meal and just to see each other. The first one we did was so cool because some of these people had only met online and they'd never met together in person. But some came from, we're, we're inland, but some came from Long Beach, some came from Arizona, some came from Orange County, and they met each other. And they go, oh, good to see you in person because they were already friends. And then the final piece is our community piece. And we're, we're pretty big on that. And we've talked about a couple of things there. We're big on talking about the fish and loaves. Do the best you can with what you have. Uh, give what you have, not what you don't have. Um, and then the other piece, just from the, um, you know, the story of the Good Samaritan is love the people on your path. So we're really encouraging people to know their neighbors, connect with their neighbors and serve with their neighbors. For example? In a, in a month or so, we're going to do what we're calling carols in the coldest, Christmas carols in the cul-de-sac. Because a couple of years ago, we did as a faith community, we rented out a just a really great venue in our old town, Temecula, and brought our band, and we did Christmas carols. And I told the story of Jesus and the gospel through traditional carols. And some of our neighbors came, which was great. And they, all of our neighbors in the cul-de-sac, they know each other. They're great. They're in various stages of faith or not faith or whatever. But some of the guys are saying, hey, man, why don't you do that meaning of Christmas thing again that you had, you know, a couple of years ago? And so we're going to set up in the cul-de-sac bring your lawn chairs. I'm going to do traditional carols from a piano, maybe have Dan help me. But uh, we're going to tell the story of Jesus through Christmas carols to the whole neighborhood and anybody who comes. So you guys can pray on that one for us. It's December 21st, Christmas Eve, 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 I think it is. <laughs> anyway, some other things on that. Hmm. Here's one of the advantages in our community efforts, you know, as you guys know, with a simple church, for us anyway, there's not a lot of overhead. Yeah. So by God's grace, we're able to give away half our budget. So half of our income goes to the district of our Alliance for Church Planning, to the Great Commission Fund, to various church plans. We're trying to support the churches that we're launching as a district. I want our faith community to have a stake in this. So even if it's 50 bucks a month, we want to be in. And then the other piece is we're really encouraging our folks. If you see a need and God prompts you with the tug of the spirit to meet that need, go up and do it. And we've told them, if you go spend a couple hundred bucks to buy groceries, we'll reimburse you. And people do it, but they don't give us the receipts. <laughs> so my bookkeeper keeps saying, dude, we got to keep it out there. So we're trying to be very much scattering the, you know, the, the, the seed. And with, with that, we'll try to connect them to the, to our faith community. We don't always, one other cool thing here that we've done is in the pandemic, our next door neighbor at the time was a nurse and she made a headband that goes around with these buttons on it that hold masks. And as a nurse, she wanted to give that to her nursing team at our local hospital. And so she's, she brought that idea and I thought, this is fantastic. So we started making those. So now we've made a couple thousand of them that have gone to 15 plus hospitals and a dental office across the country and they've loved them. We're still doing it. And with each one of those, we'll give an invitation to our online community because these folks don't live around here. 
So that's how we're trying to connect people on our path, what we're trying to do online. And it's a big experiment. Here's one other piece on that. Elena's looking for one. We have a lady connected to our faith community who's 90, 92 years old. Her family's been, get this, her family's been part of the Alliance for a long time. Pasadena Alliance Church down here. But way back in the day, her dad was really good friends. Her young dad at the time was really good friends with A.W. Tozer. So this lady's first pastor, get this, was Tozer. And now she's making headbands for a simple church online thing to give to the community. So talk about adaptability. That's the spirit of the alliance. That's awesome. Yeah. Man, thanks for sharing with us. Uh, there's some practical nuggets of wisdom in what you guys shared. And I want to emphasize you guys are not experts. We're not experts. We're just trying things and trying to listen to the leadership of the spirit. And I mean, they do have think. wisdom though, that but you do have experience and wisdom. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Like, and that's we can at least part. tell you what not to do. We're, Amen. <laughs> I steal all the things that, that loves and fishes things. Dave, I don't know how many times I've used that. Like, all, give all the what time. you have. It ain't new to me. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, I know a guy who said it first. <laughs> but the way that you it wasn't me. It, but the way that you said it and have used it has been a blessing to us and to our community. That's okay. cool. We're keeping it simple and we're letting the Lord do the multiplication, right? Yeah. yeah. Bringing what we have to the Lord and letting the Lord multiply. Yeah. Can I throw in? Great. I'm sorry, Scott. Can I throw in one thing there, though? Absolutely. Okay. So one piece of this that has been, been freeing for me personally mm-hmm. is to get off of the treadmill of trying to perpetually have to grow the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying everybody does that, but my tendency is to try to push this thing forward as hard and fast as I can. Mm-hmm. And after many years of that, it's just exhausting. So there's a need for to, for churches to grow and all of that. I, I don't discount anything we've done or anything that anyone was doing in that regard. But for me personally, I have tried to change the scorecard and I'm not pushing to, to grow, grow, grow. I'm just trying to show up and sort of enjoy the process and see what God does. Right or wrong, whether that's good or bad, that's kind of mm. in our thinking as we do this portion of our ministry. There's this guy named Buddy. Uh, he's a leader, a micro church leader. He's in our cohort with Exponential, uh, with, with, with Kansas City Underground. And um, he said he got tired of manufacturing momentum. <laughs> I was like, oh. And I've been thinking about that for three or four weeks since he said it. And it was just like an off comment. And it wasn't like a main thing. He was like, I got tired of manufacturing momentum in the prevailing model or the predominant model. And he's like, and now I'm just waiting to, to you know, just being faithful one day at a time, essentially, and just showing up and doing the things that you just said. And so, I mean, well, and in our model, like I remind us that we can we can do this because we have different sources of income, um, and so this small expression of faith community um, can work in our setting. It won't work for everybody uh, because we're not trying to create momentum and a certain amount of income, honestly, from this one church. So right now we happen to have that kind of freedom. That's Mm -hmm. not always the case as we have had two other churches that we've grown to several hundreds of people and uh, obviously tithers. So yeah. we just we happen to have this window that we can do this yeah. right now. Yeah. Let me, me piggyback off of that thought. What do you guys say for both of you or one of you to a local church pastor who's probably in the traditional or predominant expression of our church here in America? What do you say to them when you talk about the micro expressions or you try to explain what faith community is? And they have lots of questions. One of those is always the financial side of things. What do you say to them? How do you explain to them what you're doing? Well, I I think we would lead out with what we truly believe, which is that Jesus loves his church in all her forms. I love big churches. There's many things that big churches, mega churches even offer that small churches can't offer. And to to the people that are wired for that, to lead that without going off the rails, as we know, there's examples of many who have pushed so hard on that, that their 
they've gone off the rails, but God has wired some great, great leaders to lead very large churches, but he hasn't wired everybody. And so our message can't be that everybody has to fit in the mold of doing that because it's put too many church planters and pastors into this pressure thing to try to go be Rick Warren. And God only made one. And he's a great guy doing a wonderful job and has taught me so much. But um, back to the question, what do I tell him? I think I would tell him God loves the church in all of her forms. And we're never trying to compete with that. I've sent people. Matter of fact, we're supporting a guy who's planting, and I think he's going to plant large here in Temecula. He's not Alliance. We support him every month. I had lunch with him yesterday. And we want him to do great, and I've sent team members to him because I think that'll be a great fit for them, them to go to the church, the kind of church that he's planting mm. rather than the kind of church that we're doing. So we're always going to push cooperation. And uh, we say it takes all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. Yeah. And this isn't for everybody by any means. And it's not for every lead couple, because again, we're, we happen to have this window where we can do this. And I, we really don't know how long this window will be. That's right. Uh, right. So it could, it could last. Uh, we're going to be faithful right now with what we have. And um, yeah, financially you were asking, it's like, well, we happen to be able to do it right now. Mm-hmm. May not be the case a year from now. That, that reminds me of something that I, I heard, um, I visited the Tampa Underground um, down in um, yeah. Florida, and they said that on average, this was pre-pandemic, so these numbers may be skewed a bit, but like on average, a microchurch uh, lifespan is 18 months, mm. you know, before the leader gets the itch to do something else or before the that lifespan of that church, um, uh, kind of it kind of runs its course. That's right. And so, and I think for me, for a person like me, like you have ADD, you know, like (laughs) you're wired to color outside the lines. That's another Dave thing that I steal, you know, like, and that you're, you know, like we're always looking at starting another thing. I think that brings comfort that the Lord has created some of us, you know, um, to be the starter of things and the hander offer of things and that it's okay. I think what, when I think about, and this is just personal, this isn't, I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, but growing up and serving for years in a predominant context, I always felt like there was this, um, uh, I don't know, rejection of the apostolic types because we knew from the beginning we weren't going to stay forever. But there was almost like this thing like we couldn't say that from the beginning because the expectation is that you for everybody to be a shepherd, right? And 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 for everybody to be a person that will stay for 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 forever. And so I think one of the things for me as a guy who's been in the in the prevailing model for a long time and now switched over is like, hey, it's okay. The Lord has wired us all differently, right? Some is A, some is P, some is E, S, T. So we talked about APEX. We've talked about that in the past. Apostles, prophet, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And and um, and that's okay. You know, and the, so those heavy A types now have this place to go, right? Go try this other thing. And then it's okay. Just be faithful in that context. I think that's right. about that question. That's one of the things that comes up for me as well. That's right. Um, let's, let's, let's kind of start landing the plane. And, and we're, we're thinking about you know, uh, micros and, and the American church of the future. How do you think that micro expressions will, will shape the American church of the future? Well, it's already shaping the American church, and I think it will continue. Um, I think the church will have to be more and more adaptable to culture, to government, to if the government keeps leaning in, as happened in the first century, and who knows where things will go? The church is going to have to get creative. Um, already in San Diego, or around where we are, you just because schools are full or pandemic or whatever, I, I haven't checked on this in the last six months, but I, I, I've heard at one point you can't get you can't rent a school or a venue in San Diego. It's too tight. There's nothing there. So, what are our options to reach San Diego? Going to home or go to the beach? 
or go somewhere or break it down into small groups. And, you know, we need the San Diego underground, I suppose. Right. Like, uh, like Tampa, Kansas city or whatever, but, but that's how that's happening here. And it's, it's going to be happening in other places. And so I think there's going to be plenty of room for it. And I do believe God's really doing something and the church is kind of perking up and listening, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Elena? How is um, the, the micro reality going to ch- shape the church of the American future? Well, I see it that um, some of the realities of when Jesus said, love your neighbor, he, he actually really meant your neighbors. So for us in a suburban, really? oh man, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, man. right? I'm good. Um, no, revolutionary concept. No, I, I'm, I'm kind of saying, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, we, yeah. It goes past us. Go, yeah, keep going. So, um, so for in our setting, it's just great to be able to say, hey, do you even know your neighbors? Have you, can you, can you name them? Do you talk to them? What kind of needs do they have? And so we're trying to push our faith community out to their neighbors. And now we have obviously people in all over the country and it's not a big amount, but it's still, you know, um, they're dispersed. So go find out what your neighbors need and serve them and uh, love them in a language they can understand and maybe be a little bit unshockable. You know, they, they may want to hoist a beer. They might want to, you know, do whatever is culturally relevant to them. And could you just love them? You don't have to condone it. Uh, you just need to love them. So that's kind of exciting when you think about what could be happening in the next few years uh, with uh, people moving out from their neighborhoods um, to really love their neighbors. So that's how I see it. Mm. And the other piece in that, that was, that was great, Elaine. The, and Well, that's actually, that was great. I got nothing. <laughs> Well, and I, I've only heard it from you. I mean, we're, no, we're, you're living it, you're living we're it really out. trying to to make it practical. Um, your faith really has to be lived out in your neighborhood, on your job, wherever you are. Uh, Jesus has you there for a reason. And uh, yeah, I remember what I was going to say on top of that. So in the other churches, and this is fine, it takes a lot of volunteer power to mm. to make this the, the, the system work, the services work. And we've done large and I still like large and I like that whole venue and I'm for it. But now with this, we don't have those needs and we're trying to really have service look like service to neighbors. How are you doing ministry? You're ministering to your neighbors. That's, that's mostly it. So we don't have a bunch of programs to do or hand out or ushers, greeters or childcare or that and that go love your neighbor, get to know them, talk over the fence, hang out anyway. As opposed to, and we've done it all. We, and we still love it. Um, come to our church. Right. Come to our church and, and you'll hear the gospel. Come to your, our church and you'll feel the love of Jesus. And that's all great. Um, and all kinds of outreaches are getting very creative. But in our scenario, it's unique because, well, we are, it really isn't so much about come to us as much as it is go to them. Yeah, I love that you guys get it. That's so yeah, you guys, that's what you guys do is what you talk about. We get it. So here's an example. Like we're in Southern California. Oh, Luis, you do this, man. You grow stuff. Uh, some of my neighbors, I know a lot of them, but some of them I didn't know. So I had a great crop of stuff this year. So I started hanging vegetables over the back of the fence and then vegetables started showing up on our side of the fence. So we know, we now know all of our neighbors all around us because we hang vegetables and now we've talked over the fence and some from behind me have come to our gatherings and this and that. So get creative, get out front, don't drive past your neighborhood to go to your church, stuff like that. Anyway. Yeah, and that's, that is good. Uh, as we're landing the plane here, what are some practical next steps for anyone listening now or in the future? They, they might have a, a heavy background in the traditional church experience, or maybe, maybe not. And maybe this, the micro church is kind of new and they're really interested. How should they navigate maybe this transition from the old wineskin into the new? And how, do you, how would you recommend maybe they make that transition and, and you know, leave what was in really good condition and good shape and you know, not leave angry or upset? Because um, as we've talked with a, a lot of people that are in this microchurch expression, 
a lot of the people that come into this have a lot of bitterness or anger with the church. Uh, they, they leave on a bad note rather than on a good note. Yeah. How yeah. would you speak into that transition and, and having it be a positive experience? Well, back the idea back to the idea that God loves the church in all of her forms and sizes. So go with that. We prayed a long time before we did this, and we talked to friends and mentors and pastors. I talked to the senior pastor of the church where I was attending. I wanted his blessing. So I would say, don't go disrupt the church. Don't go do something in response to that because that's divisive. And you know the enemy wants to divide us. We shouldn't be helping him. So I would say, really pray it through. Lean into the giftings that you have. Um, good starts on that. You know, love, go love your neighbors. Start there and get to know them and then see what God does over time. And this is something you can do, by the way. This is what else I would say. It's not like you have to do this big, hard leave to your church in order to go love your neighbor well. So love your neighbor while you're going to your church and then see what God does with that. And if he's calling you to specifically reach them, you could still do that as an outreach of your church, possibly. So don't ignore that possibility. But if you can't do that and God's calling you to something greater, go in as great of unity as you possibly can would be my counsel. In church planning for 30 years, the guys who go with the bitterness and they go in a response to something negative, rarely make it. And you, you get who you, you become who you've already been. And you bring people there with that spirit of bitterness. And so it's just not a healthy way to go. Go based out of mission. And if God's really working in your life, calling you to this, the Holy Spirit is smart enough and powerful enough to also encourage the believers around you to help you in the process. So listen to the Spirit as He speaks through other people, including your leaders. One other thing on that, I don't think a guy can lead, man or a woman lead well until they can follow well. So being disruptive to another local church just isn't healthy. And I really do think you get um, the kind of people that you are. So uh, if if you're against something, you'll get a lot of people who are against things. And yes, we need to make a stand against the traditional church and it's all wrong. You'll get those kind of people. Um, and really, is that what you want? You want people that are against the church that Jesus loves? And I, we totally say it over and over again. Jesus loves the church in all its forms and all its sizes. Yeah. I love that. That's been one of the themes. I, I'm one of the takeaways for me from today's conversation. You know, my therapist one time said to me, he said, how you end one season, a lot of times is how you begin the next one, right? Mm-hmm. So if you end well, you start well. You know, and the reality is that a lot of times if you're in ministry, been in ministry, you got some church hurt, some church baggage, you've probably been a part of giving someone church hurt and giving someone church baggage, if we're honest, right? Um, but I think that the spirit, you know, allows us to work through those things and empowers us and, and gives us the grace to start anew. But division is not from Jesus, right? Uh, Contention is not from the Lord. Uh, and it's something that as much as we can, I think that's what the Apostle Paul says, as much as we're able to, right, to keep the bond of peace. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's like, hey, man, something mm-hmm. needs to be, <laughs> you know, but, but as much as we can mm-hmm. to keep the bond of peace, man. It's been good having this conversation with you guys. Uh, we love what you guys are doing. I want to encourage you guys. Thank you so much for being faithful all of these decades for encouraging young planters like us Mm. and for you also remaining flexible. That's uh, Mm. been, that ministers to me because that, and, and, and I think you're carving out a place. The other thing that I'm hearing is for people who are generations above even you guys to be able to still belong and to experiment and to be a part of what the spirit is doing. When I look at Acts 2 and and Joel 2, like like it's a multi-generational kingdom, Mm. right? And we want to lean into that. And even as I step into this next season, we're looking at, I, I looked at some analytics for our podcast this week and almost 40% of our listeners are aged 23 to 27. Uh, And and that's the next generation of leaders. It's 52% women. So let's go. We love that Elena's on here rocking it, representing for the ladies. 
And um, and Jesus is going to use who is available and who makes themselves available. And so um, thank you for, again, for your faithfulness throughout the years, for your flexibility, for, for leaning in and for kind of, you know, heralding the way for guys like us and, and, and people like us. So if there is a, a way for, um, for us to continue to connect, we want to, you know, lean into that. And then the last thing that I want to say is, if people wanted to learn about you and your guys's work, where, where could they go and how could they learn more about what you guys are up to? Well, thanks for all the, for the chance for us to be here, guys. And again, we love what you are doing. We want to put wind in the sails of mm. church planners. And especially now I sound like the old guy, but I'm kind of getting there about younger church planners. Cause that's the future. So I still want to be in the game, but I don't, you know, I want to, well, yeah, but I want to stay there, but I want to be who I am in the game. And that is to try to, to push toward younger leaders and at the same time, reach a bunch of seniors now. <laughs> but anyway, um, a few places in terms of our, of our faith community, which again, it's small, it's humble. We don't know how long it's going to go. I know expert. I just want put that much on, on into this podcast. Yeah. Um, but you could find that at facebook.com forward slash our faith community. And um, what's the, well, actually we have a faith community website. This is how we savvy do. I am. I know we're, we're so techie. What is it? Faith community dot online, I think, or dot yes, truck. Yes. I'll send it to you. <laughs> I just screwed that up. Um, David Reynolds will also get you this. Yeah, we did a website that just kicks us to our Facebook, and I can't even remember the title of it right now. So this is how high tech we are. We'll put the links in the podcast description below. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Keeping It Simple. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life and mission in ways that are easy to understand. Stay tuned as we release episodes each Wednesday. We'd appreciate it if you would like, review, share, and subscribe our podcast. Thank you for listening.